0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, usually, something happens the day of my she'er, and that gives me something to talk about. But actually, this situation happened yesterday. Um, A little boy came to my office with his parents. The reason he came to my office with his parents is that he was struggling with something that a lot of us struggle. And that is... Davening, tefillah, praying to Hashem. Because a lot of people don't know what they're saying, and so to just do lip service is very hard. And um, so a lot of kids and even adults, they go to shul, they go to daven because they have to, but they don't really, they don't really have any connection. So this little boy's parents brought him because he doesn't daven. He doesn't daven. Very cute kid. So I said to him There are two types of tefillah There's a tefillah that we have in the book Shachris, Mincha And Meiriv And then and Kriyashman, All the different things that are written in the book And then there's a tefillah Which is a personal tefillah Where a person talks to God um, At the edge of your bed in the morning At the edge of your bed at night Walking outside Thanking Hashem, connecting to Hashem So I asked him if he does either one of them. No, he says I don't. I don't read from the book, and I don't talk to Hashem. So I said, I I told him, okay. Number one, we have to understand. So even if you don't understand what you're saying, you're still supposed to daven, right? So how does that work? So I explained to him that if you go to an ATM machine and you want to take out money, right? So on Avenue M, you go to Chase Manhattan. Big ATM machine. You stand in front of the ATM and you say, ATM machine, I love you. You are the best ATM machine on the whole, in the whole flatbush. You are amazing and I cannot thank you for all the past times I came to you when I needed money and I had to go buy something to drink and I had to get on the subway and I had to buy, you know, whatever I needed and you were always there for me. Could you give me $200? No, the ATM machine is not giving you anything. It's just going to sit there and look at you and nothing's going to happen. But I really love you and you're really special and and I really want to thank you. Could you give me $200? It's not going to happen. kid's look at me a little strange at the moment. I said, what do you do? You go up to the ATM machine and you punch in a bunch of numbers, right? Your password. It says password. And you punch in whether it's your birthday they tell you not to use your birthday because if someone steals your, you know, your identity, your license, your ID, you're in trouble. Random numbers, 1, 3, Y, X, D. Has no meaning. But once they become your password, when you punch those numbers in and you hit enter, and you ask for $200, the money comes out. So the guy who's talking to the machine, nothing comes out. The guy who pushes in the password he can get anything he wants he can take money out put money in whatever he needs to do it opens up we call it the it opens up the pipes Avraham Yitzchak and Yaakov wrote three different passwords one's called Shachris one's called Mincha one's called Myriv each one of them is a password when you pray these words that opens up the pipes, the tsinoras, the gutters, the pipes. Shmayaim runs, the, the health and all the stuff comes through. They call tsinorim pipes. And when you daven chakras, even if you don't understand what you're saying, right? You don't know what you're saying. But Avraham Avinu put in through shachris into the tefillah and the achiksei yadala put into the tefillah that that is your password in the morning. Your password to get things is chakras. If you could just let Ruth sit over here. And your password for Mincha in the afternoon, right, is Mincha. And your password tonight for Myriv is Myriv. So I said to this kid, even though you don't know what you're saying, right, you should know Parashat Hamilos, but it's very hard. You you can't do it all when you're a little kid. It takes a long time to learn it. Even if you don't know what you're saying, it's it it's it has a it has like a it's like a bomb, it's like a grenade that a Ramavino left it's like a Yakov and when you dab it in, in the morning, those words are your WXC one three that opens up your ATM machine. That's Tila that's printed, that's the word. Then there's a different thila. And that fila is not written. That fila is your own private pra- prayer where You're sitting out there to your bed and you're thanking Hashem. You're asking Hashem. You're praising Hashem. But it's not in a book. There's nowhere in the book. You're doing it from your heart. You're doing it from your soul. That opens up many things. So there's a story. And I told this to this little boy. And I've said it here before, but there was a lot of new people. I don't know how long ago I said it. Maybe it was a while. story about a little newspaper boy. I don't know if anyone remembers that story. So in the old days... The old days. My days. So you didn't go to the corner store to buy a newspaper. There was a boy who needed money. He would take his bicycle. There'd be a basket in the front, a basket in the back. He would put the New York Times in there or the New York Post. And at 4.30 in the morning, he would drive his little bicycle and he would take the paper and he would throw it against your door and it would land right on the welcome mat in your front door. And then people would go to work at 6 o'clock so they had a, their coffee in the morning they wanted to read the New York Times or whatever they were reading so it had to be there at 4.30 because everyone was going to work otherwise they wanted to sit and read while they're having their coffee I remember I had a friend that, that did this he had a penny a penny of family a week and he was happy because he did 20, 30 houses he got 30 cents a week he was yeah in our days he used to work for 30 cents a week yeah, yeah and the phone, the phone the public phone was only a nickel it was a different day it was a different day So I remember the Coca-Cola machine at a quarter. A bottle of Coke at a quarter. So, and I'm not that old. So this little boy used to get up every morning and take his bicycle with his newspapers. And he was a a delivery, a newspaper delivery boy. And that's an interesting thing because, not that you're baseball fans, but I don't remember if it was Sandy Koufax which pitcher it was, and they, one of the superstars, Hall of Famers, and he said that he will, he became a pitcher because he was a newspaper boy, and he was able, while he was writing, to throw the paper while he was moving, and hit the middle of the door every time. He realized, uh, I got a talent. If I could hit a door with a newspaper on the move, I could throw a baseball, and he became a big pitcher. So, you know, everything in life, what you do... You have to think about it. It can always be used for something. You know, I talk about this a lot. Whatever you do in life, you can channel to other things. And I don't remember who the picture was exactly. Maybe it was, I don't know. I think it was Sandy Corp. Maybe it wasn't Sandy Corp. Okay, but anyway. So, it happened to have been that where he delivered the paper was the capital city of the country. So, one of the stops that he had was the garden of the king. The king would sit in the garden at 4.30 in the morning when nobody would be bothering him, having his coffee. And this little boy would not throw the paper at the king. He would actually go to the king and give him the paper. And every day, this boy would say, thank you very much. You're the greatest king. He was a little kid. He was seven years old, nine years old. You're the greatest king. I want you to know that my basketball team is winning. And... I just want to thank you that I have a great public school that I go to. And everything is so beautiful in your kingdom. Thank you. And then he would leave and continue doing his newspapers. Now, this boy was very poor. And he, his father was a farmer. He was a potato farmer. And his father used to sell potatoes at a very cheap price to the poor people. But in the same country, there was a prime minister who sat right by the king. Number two and he was also a potato farmer I mean he owned a lot of farms and potatoes and he called the little boy's father and he said to him listen you are selling much cheaper than me and everyone's buying from you if you don't raise your prices to at least my price you're going to end up in the dungeon he said well, I can't raise my price, if I raise my price the poor people will have nothing to eat so he didn't raise his price one day the police show up, we're here to arrest you, arrest me when I do. We heard from a reliable source that you are behind the rebellion against the great king and we're going to throw you into a deep dungeon and so they did, this little boy's father. But he wasn't worried because his best friend was the minister of agriculture and the minister of agriculture was very close to the king. So he called him to the dungeon and he said, listen, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm in a dungeon. I never, I never started rebellion. That's ridiculous. Go to the king, tell him who I am, that you're my friend, and get me out of here. No problem. We'll get you out of here. Within 24 hours, you're out. So this minister of agriculture goes to the king and on the way to the king, sitting in front of the king's room is the, is the, the second in command is the prime minister. The Prime Minister says to this guy, the Minister of Agriculture, what are you doing? He said, I want to see the King. Why do you want to see the King? But this guy, he's a very close friend of mine, he's sitting in the dungeon, and the Prime Minister was the one who put him there. So he knew that he cannot let him get to the King. So he said, listen, it happens to be that we're preparing for war, and the King told me that he can't see anyone because it's going to be a huge war, world war. For the next three months, He's not seeing anybody. I'm really sorry. I'd love to help you, but I can't. So this guy goes back to the father and says, I can't help you. He says, but you can't leave me here for three months. I'll die. I have no food. I have nothing. I can't help you. They're preparing for war. Okay, okay. Don't worry about it. His other best friend was the king's lawyer who used to play golf with the king every Sunday. So he calls him. He says, listen, you're going to play golf with the king. You're my best friend. Tell the king that there's some guy put me in jail Ah, I'm a good guy so the lawyer's like yeah no problem I'm the golf, you know companion of the king he goes to ah, prime minister sitting there how can I help you I'm going to see the king why are you going to see the king there's somebody in jail Ah, uh, we're going to war I'm really sorry no can do comes back to the father of the kid says I can't help you there's a war going to happen and nobody can see the king so now he's He's in big trouble. That The next day, the kid's father didn't come home that night. His mother said, to put your father in jail. He said, for what? I said, I don't know. Somebody made up a story about your father that he's rebelling against the king. So the next day, the kid, who every single day went past the king in the morning and gave him the newspaper and thanked him and smiled and was happy, goes by the king. And he takes the newspaper and he says, here's today's newspaper king, have a nice day and turns away. Turns around and walks away, because he's in a lot of pain his father was just taken away from him he says, Aah! excuse me excuse me, get back here he says, yes sir he says, what happened to the good morning, I have the best team you're the best king what an unbelievable country what's going on, what's bothering you The little kid looks up at the king and says, I know that you sit here every morning because you don't want to be bothered. I'm not going to bother you with my problems. And the king says, no, you don't understand. You See, every single day, a whole day, people come to me with their problems. I need money. I need real estate. The bank's not giving me a loan. You have to change this law. I need this and I need that. He says, the only person that I see every day that doesn't ask me for anything is you. So if you're not happy, I'm not happy. So little boy, I need to know what's bothering you. So he looks up at the king and he says, well, if you're going to make me tell you, my father was arrested. Father was arrested for what? for starting a rebellion against you but king, I know my father he loves you, it's not true somebody made it up where is your father? he's in the dungeon king says, now you go with me right now, leave your bicycle here we're going to the dungeon and the king never went to the jail, to the dungeon shows them at the dungeon, everyone's going crazy what's the king doing here, who's he here to see whatever it is, and the king walks in goes over to this kid's father says, let him out he definitely didn't do anything his father, the kid's father comes walking out and he sees that the king is walking with his son. Where does his son know the king from? Where, where, his his lawyer didn't get him out. His minister didn't get him out. His little seven-year-old schnitzel, little kid over there, got him out. Like, what's going on? So when we are saved from a situation, Jewish people make a su'udas hayda, a meal of thanks, a meal, you know, thanking Hashem. So, the father makes this huge the sada, and he invites everybody. He was in the dungeon, he would have died. He was saved. So the first guy to come to the suda "Da is the minister. And he walks over to the father of the boy, and he says, so here, hear someone got you out. I hear that the king came and got you out. So the, so There is somebody greater than me in the kingdom. You have another minister who you never told me about. Who is able to get to the king when I am not? I must know that. So the father says, "Ah, I I know you're not going to believe me, but you see my little little boy sitting there in the corner, that little kid eating ice cream with chocolate ice cream all over his nice white shirt, not waiting for the party to begin. My son, my son Yankawal, He got me out of jail. And the minister looks at him and says, if you don't want to tell me, don't tell me. But don't make up any stupid stories. That little boy did not get you out of anywhere. So this friendship is over. You don't want to tell me who he is for real? We're done. And he walks away. Who walks in number two? The lawyer. The lawyer walks in and says, Who's a greater lawyer? I played golf with the king. They told me he's going to war. Who? I heard the king came to jail and got you out. Who brought the king to jail to get you out? Is there a lawyer that the king's using that I don't know about? And he says, this is going to be very hard to explain, but you see that little kid who now just finished his ice cream cone? My son, Yankala. He got me out. And the lawyer's like, I played golf with the king, and I couldn't get to see him, and you're telling me that little kid got you out? You know what? You don't want to tell me who it is? I'm done. And people start coming to this meal, and everyone wants to know, so you make a spirit, who got you out? And he keeps telling people that it's his son, and they're all looking at him like, you have this big secret, and you don't want to give up your guy in the government, so all of a sudden, all his friends are not being his friends anymore because they think he's lying. All of a sudden, the king walks in. The king walks in. He runs over to the little boy. He picks him up. And he says, Yankula, how are you? And he gives him a hug and a kiss. And everybody's watching this. And they realize that this kid has a relationship with the king that nobody else has. I'm telling this to this little boy. And I'm like, listen to me carefully. The tiller in the sinner... Is a password to open up all kinds of things for you. I said, but sitting at the edge of your bed at night <coughs> or in the morning, but specifically in the morning, when you wake up, I just want you to say one prayer a day. Thank you. I admit to you. Thank you. Melach the king that is everlasting, right? Thank you for giving me back my life, my neshama, my life. The with love. Rabbi Munasecha, many of your believers. Is there any request in Moda'ani for anything? Nope. Are you asking for food? A shirach? Health? Nothing. The first thing you do when you open your eyes in the morning, you're that little boy, Good morning. Thank you very much. You are the greatest king. Chayvakayav, Melchayvakayav. And thank you for giving me my life. Bye. I'm going to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom, wash my hands. I'm done. We don't have to wear yamakum and we wake up in the morning to say Modani. You don't wash your hands yet. You didn't go to the bathroom yet. You're uchi. Your mouth is uchi. You didn't wash your hands. You have to go to the bathroom. Why would, why would you say a trilah at that point? And the answer is that the first thing in the morning we say to Hashem is what this little boy said. Now, how do you say Moda'ani Modani Thank you, Hashem, that I get up this morning. People, people don't get up. That I can see that I, right with, with with love. So, if chas v'shalom, that girl or boy who gets up every morning and says moda'ani with Happiness and love and energy that night she went out she thought she was getting engaged and he said I want to be your friend thank you very much right or a bad deal that day or someone's sick in the hospital and you get up in the morning and you just can't give that mold ani that you always give because you're struggling and you're like one thing okay bye and his malachim he's like one second Freidula this little girl every day it's the one thing I'm looking for she doesn't ask me for anything the rest of the day everyone's praying I need this and I need the whole day all we do is ask and we ask and we ask it's a shopping list God gets a lot of shopping lists right the whole day we ask but in the morning this girl gets up every morning and all she says is thank you and and thank you and you're the greatest king so when she doesn't say it Hashem's like no what's going on Malachim, let's go down and find out what's bothering her. I look forward my whole day as this little girl who gets up, this little boy who says Modaani was Kavana. Today he's not. Something's going on. Hashem himself will go into the prison that you are stuck in and take you out. So I told this little boy. That's Moda'ani. That's the story of the king. Sometimes you can go to the biggest tzaddik, you can be in the biggest minion. But there is a wall in Shemayim, a, 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 fence called the Kur Barzel, a, a fence made out of steel where artillers get stuck. Since the destruction of the Beitan Mingdash, it got, it gets stuck. The Sultan has, the Prime Minister has this wall of steel, so to say, where it gets stuck. The only place that's not closed is the Shari Dima, or a place that cries, but not everyone is able to cry so how do we circumvent right? The, you couldn't get past the prime minister and sometimes the greatest rabbi can't get past the prime minister but the little teeny kid the little neshama he's not a big lawyer and he's not a big minister but it's someone who's excited about davening and he davens every single day when you don't daven when you're not happy Hashem's like but that's my, that's my ray of sunshine every day this little girl Chavi she's my ray of sunshine if she's not happy I'm not happy so Malachim, whatever dungeon she's in, whatever depression she's in, let's go get her. I said to this boy, that's a different feeler, and that everyone can do. I understand you have a problem reading, you have a problem understanding, but that everyone do. My minute that I do every single morning for many, many years. I do not walk out of my house. I get to the door, I open the front door, and I put my hand on the mezuzah, and the first thing I say is, Thank you, Hashem, that I could feel the mezuzah, that it's cold and it's metal, whatever it is. Thank you that my hands can feel. Thank you for the great gift of touch. And I close my eyes and I say, thank you very much, Hashem, for the gift of smell. And I give a nice smell right now. It's amazing on my block that it's the as time that we have all these purple lilacs. And they have a crazy smell. So I'm like, Wow. What an unbelievable smell that you're able to smell. A lot of people have allergies and their noses are stuffed. If you can't smell, you don't have an appetite. Ask anybody with terrible allergies and they're stuffed, they're not eating. They eat a little bit, they're not eating, they don't have an appetite. If you can't smell, if your nose is stuffed, you can't smell, you don't have an appetite. Now thank you, Mr. Cutting that I can smell! That I can breathe! I remember when I was in the hospital with an oxygen mask in my nose and it was like the most annoying thing to have those two little things in my nose I don't have an oxygen mask I can breathe thank you Hashem that I, thank you that I can smell <coughs> thank you Hashem I just had a coffee before I went out thank you Hashem that I can taste because if you can't taste you also have no appetite and then the big two thank you Hashem that I can hear I do not leave my front door till I hear a chirping of a bird I wait till I hear a bird. In the winter, sometimes I'm staying there for 12 hours. No, but like 12 seconds, 15 seconds. Till I hear the chirp of a bird. Thank you Hashem that I'm able to hear that. And the last thing I open my eyes and I'm like, whoa. Thank you that I could see because that's, um, you can't imagine living in a world of darkness all the time. It's not, it's not even imaginable. Thank you I could see. Five senses, I thank him. All well, five senses, and I added to that, after I broke my knees three years ago, thank you Hashem, I can move my hands and I can move my feet, because I don't want that to happen again either. <laughs> I don't walk out until I say that. That's not intersefer, that's not, I mean, even though we have Mabashar Montezurim, and all those brachas, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. That's a, that's a tfila. I'll tell you a story that just happened. So this past Shabbos, I was in a, um, a Chassidisha Shabbaton um, that is sort of like Project Inspire for So we had all these different speakers. The only difference is, it's the first time I ever did a Chassidisha Shabbos. My speech was Friday night from 2 o'clock a.m. till 3.15. Absolutely. Because they don't dive in early. They dive in the Zman. And then they had a speech by davening. And nobody's in a rush. Because in the afternoon they have Kugel and so it's, it's a different world. And then we went to eat. And there's Miris. And there's Tish. And nobody's in a rush. And I'm like foil on my face because I just landed from Eretz Yisrael from a week of totally not sleeping. Right? And then they had a breakout. Seven different rooms, seven different speakers. And Wallerstein, you're... Speech, keynote, they called it, keynote, right? I wanted my key to my room, but they called it keynote because I was dead tired. Two o'clock to three fifteen. And uh, not one of them was sleeping. The room was packed. Amazing. It was an amazing Shabbos. I, I at nine o'clock in the morning. I didn't get up to my room till eleven o'clock, what's the Shabbos? I didn't even get up to my room till eleven o'clock. It was, it was off the charts. Okay? All my stuff, they don't know all my stories, Ruth. I got away with all my old stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, school, first grade, third grade, all my stuff. But I said some new stuff, I said some new stuff, and I want to repeat something that I said. So, there were like 12 speakers, men and women. It was like the same thing as Project Inspire. You go to the different rooms. Bakhshem, I had keynotes, so I had this big room, I'm claustrophobic. And every room that they had this uriman had a machitza. So it's not like Project Inspired. It had a Mechitza. Women on one side of Mechita. men on the other side of Mechita. In every single room. Little teeny rooms, whatever. It was, it was fantastic. Okay. So. We, we're trying, maybe, we're trying, we're trying, maybe, maybe. Shabbos Nachum. we're trying, we're working on something. We will have one. But we're working on something. Excuse me, if Why not? It's Arnava. Have to have a Shabbat So we're working on it. It's a little hot because it's in the mountains. We'll see. We'll see what happens. If not, we'll admit to Hashem in November, December, whatever. But we're going to try. Anyway, so what happened? For, what happens once Matsy Shabbos is we're all sitting at a table in the front front table, Malava Malka, which also got finished at four in the morning. Um, and so they said they wanted each rabbi, so there's ten of us, so they wanted each rabbi to speak for three minutes. So that's 30 minutes altogether. What you feel the Shabbos did, a chizik word, in three minutes. I'm like, the worst. I'm thinking, I can't even introduce myself in three minutes. Three minutes, I'll just say three minutes, um, right? And the one guy gets up, wow, three minutes, like a like a capsule. He spoke for three minutes, and I was like, boom! And the next guy's like, boom! And I'm sitting there, I don't talk for three minutes. It's not what I do. And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, what, I should, what, I, what should I say? And I want to tell you what I said. It didn't take three minutes, it took two. I said the following story, which I never said here. So, I was eighth grade rabbi Kranath Yeshiva for 30 years, and I spent a lot of time with the little kids downstairs. (coughs) I like to talk to little kids, because little kids, first of all, they're very kadosh. They're just pure. And they're very funny because they don't have a filter. So they just say the way things are. Mm-hmm. It, sometimes it's very harsh, like there's a kid with a, you know, with a hearing aid and they're like, what's that funny thing in your ear? Now we would never say such a thing like that. So they, they talk like that. But they don't mean it, they don't mean it to be, they just, they're just not filtered. They're unfiltered. So it's very interesting when you talk to people who are unfiltered. <laughs> I mean, I told you the story, I, you know, I went over to one little girl and I said, um, who does your mother love the most in the world? I like doing this stuff. I like, I like to get it to people's heads. I'm like, who does your mother love the most in the world? She looks up at me. I'm thinking she's gonna like me, me, all right? She can say her. She goes, Ruchi. I'm like, what's your name? Miriam. <laughs> I'm like, your mother doesn't love you the most in the world? No. Rookie. So of course who's Rookie? Her older sister, right? I mean, I'm for sure. I'm like, oh, so you have a sister named Rookie? No. <laughs> An aunt named Rookie? No. And then I realize, of course, it's her grandmother. Her mother's mother. I'm like, ah, your grandmother's name is Rookie. No. I'm like, who's Rookie? The a true story? I'm like, who's Rookie? My mommy's best friend. I said, Your mommy loves her best friend more than you? Yes. I said, how do you know? Because she's always on the phone with her. No filter. Mommies need to ask their kids, who do you think? Who do you think? mommy loves the most because a lot of kids think mommy's always on the phone and a lot of Tati says he loves his business I got a lot of that he loves his work, they don't say business he loves his work, I'm like he loves his work more than you? yeah, how do you know? because he's always there kids say the way it is so I went into the first grade many years ago and there's one kid in that class. I'm looking at his face right now in my head. <laughs> he just didn't have it together. I mean, his shirt and his sits were always hanging out. He always forgot his homework. His food was all over the place. He was just a mess. This kid was a mess. And he was a lot of the time in the office because he didn't bring his homework. He didn't bring his sign up for the log trip. I remember that I had to call his mother. He didn't bring his mother. He was just one of those Schlumpy gang, schlumpy kids. And he wasn't very, very bright. He was just doing a little slow, a little this. But a really cute kid. I like, I always like the kids that are not doing well. So, I start off at the beginning of the class, and they have the rows, and I'm like, okay, first grade, Rabbi Wallerstein's here. Yay! All right. Chaim, where's Hashem? It's a true story. Where's Hashem? Hashem? He's there okay next one where's Hashem I'm sure I did this in this class most of you say the same thing Hashem is there and I go through the next one he goes you know the song from kindergarten Hashem is here Hashem is there Hashem is everywhere up, down, all around right, left, right okay you know the song so once this kid sang the song pretty much the rest of the class sang the song I come to little Pinchas we'll call him Penny the last kid in the class the Schlump I'm like Penny, with Hashem, he looks at me. He blew me away. He goes, "Hashem, Hashem is here." I said, "Where's Hashem? Hashem is here." I said, "Who told you that?" <coughs> I figured his mother, his father, whatever. And he goes, "Nobody." I'm like, "So how do you know Hashem is here?" And he looks up in my eyes and he says Because I feel him here This was the slowest kid in the class Because I feel him here <coughs> And I got up at this Malava Malka And I said Before we came to this Shabbos the new, It's a new organization It's called the k Raft Tanu k Raf Tanu is for Hasidim Sort of the same as Project Inspire To, to, to get inspired, Right? I said before I came here Hashem was there Hashem was there Hashem was there Hashem was there Hashem was here but at this point Hashem is was everywhere but now we took everywhere and we brought it into here because Hashem being there makes him far away makes him someone who created the world what I have to do with him So, in first grade, it starts. The way we teach our children, and I promise you, if I went into the streets, and I asked adults, where's Hashem? They would go, "Ah, what are you talking about? In Shemayim. Oh, Baruch Reif Echayim, Rabbi Friedman. Baruch Reif Echayim. Good just to see you smiling. Means Baruch Reif Echayim. It starts when you're very young, that Hashem is there. Oh, He's there, so that has a lot of connotations he's there and I'm here he's not exactly here with me there's no hashkochah practice he's not really watching me he's in Shemaim he's there that's what we learn this little boy Pinny taught me no Hashem is here he's not there he's in every nefesh every soul every neshama that we have is part of him so what we need to do we're coming to Shavuos we're coming to the wedding right Coming to Shavuos next week, Friday night. Next week, actually, once to Shabbos, but it's part of, Shabbos is connected to it. What we need to do, maybe in the next 10 days, is take Hashem from right, left, up and down, take Him from all around, and bring Him here. Because when He's here, you can feel Him, says Pinchas. When He's there, you can't feel Him. You might understand Him mentally, you may have a Muna, but this little boy was saying, Rabbi Wallerstein, when you carry God in your soul, and your heart, you can feel Him. Imagine a little boy, what's the first grade, a seven? And He's telling me, how do I know? Like, like, what do you mean, how do I know? I feel Him. Wow. That was my two minute speech. That was my two minute speech. I said, guys, I can't tell you more than that. Be careful, means to bring Him, to bring Him close. And it's already all over. I don't know. Somebody told me it's all over FaceTime or for whatever. Somebody was taping it, and it's like flying all over the place. So Pinchas, what? Oh, you heard it in my share. I said it in my share. That was yesterday, last night's share, right? That was last night's share. So that's that's very, very, very big. Okay. I want to tell you another story. Ooh, oh, time's flying. I want to tell you a story that I heard this Shabbos from a Hasidish Shaman. An unbelievable story. And he told me he knows for a fact that this is a true story. He knows that he knows the people that were involved. So in Europe, before the Holocaust, in a very poor town in Poland, they were very poor. So there was one man in town that was not so poor, but most of the town were peasants. The moms didn't have any money. And this father went ahead. It was, in those days, a big thing, not like today, you get ten hundred, you get hundred pairs of shoes. The father, this boy, his son had shoes, but it was Poland and very cold in the winter. So he bought his son a pair of new boots, which was an iPhone in those days. Uh, A pair of boots was, in the winter for a boy, was like, you, you, you know, you wore it till your toes were coming out of the front. Okay, he buys it for his son. Two days after he buys it for his son, his son goes to school. Two days, two days after he, his son takes his, takes his shoes with him to school and He comes back in his shoes instead of his boots. So the father says to the boy, his son, wear your boots, I just bought your new boots. He said, well, Tati, there's a boy in my class and his father died and they have no money, they have no food and his shoes have big holes and my shoes don't have big holes. So I gave him my boots. So the father didn't know what to do gonna tell him Get back your boots It's very bad But he just bought him a pair of boots And for them that money was Kaddish He decided You know what I'm not So my son will wear the shoes Every time he's freezing in his shoes He'll said, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not asking him for it back Okay Next year He buys his kid a new coat It's a true story He buys his kid a new coat Two days later, he comes home without his coat. The father says to the kid, Where's your coat? He says, You remember the boy I gave my boots to? I have a sweater, Tati, and I have, a, I have a jacket from you know last year. He has nothing. He doesn't even have a sweater. He's freezing. I gave him my coat. That's getting a little ridiculous for the father. He bought him boots, he gave away his boots. He bought him a coat, he gave away a coat. What are you gonna do? You can tell him to give back the coat. The kid's telling you, this kid's freezing. He didn't have money to buy another coat. Nope. So the kid wore a sweater with another sweater with a with his ripped old coat. That's how it was. One day the boy comes home, we gave away the gave away the boots, gave away the coat, and he says, this boy who's so poor, his mother just passed away. And he doesn't have a place to sleep. He has no parents. Could you could he stay with us? And the fathers like at this point there was no room in their house they didn't have money to, to support another kid so the father says to the, the son that I can't do maybe he could find someone else in yeshiva in the class that could take him in I can't take him in we don't have room we have girls I can't have a boy whatever not, I can't take him in that night his son doesn't come home and he starts panicking it gets dark it's in Poland it gets dark He think his son got kidnapped whatever it is the son is missing his son didn't come home from yeshiva so they start, they start looking for him, for this kid. They find him in the shul, midnight. They, they played the whole place where he was kidnapped. They find him in the shul, in the Ezra's in the women's part, sleeping on a bench, together with this kid. So that this kid shouldn't sleep alone. Yeah, Unbelievable. This little boy. Unbelievable. Okay. War happens, the Holocaust happens. The poor boy, who didn't have the boots, who didn't have anything, moves to America. The other boy, right, they both make it out through the Holocaust, he ends up going to Eretz Yisrael. The one who goes to America, who was poor, becomes very wealthy. The one who went to Eretz Yisrael, who gave the boots away, ended up becoming a yeshiva man, and very firm, and had like nine kids, eight, nine kids, lived in a nothing, he had no money, whatever it is, he used to sit and learn, and he had a few prutas, his wife worked as a teacher, whatever it was. One day, into the yeshiva this guy's learning yeshiva Panovich, I don't know what he's learning one day an American walks in and says so and so by his last name Lefkowitz whatever the name is is he in this yeshiva I heard he's in this yeshiva yes he go, he's, he's sitting over there in that Stender, Guy, black you know whatever not dressed whatever he walks over to him he says Yechaim y- Yechaim Moskowitz right he says yes I am Chaim Moskowitz who are you he says, I'm Hershkowitz. Remember, we were Yeshiva together before the Holocaust of Poland? You bought, me a pair of, you bought me a pair of boots and then you gave me a jacket. Remember when we slept together and your father was freaking out and he couldn't find us and we were in the Ezra's Nashim in Shul? He goes, I can't believe it. I was worried about you. I didn't even know that you made it out of the war. He says, come outside. I want to talk to you. It's a true story. He takes him outside. He says... I happened to know, I knew that you were here. I knew that you were alive, I knew you were here. I never got a chance to come to you, but now I want to I want to tell you something. I made a lot of money. He says, and I'm not taking no for an answer. He said, you have nine children. I'm making nine chasanas for you. Not only am I making nine chasanas for you, I'm buying you the clothing for every. If it's your daughter or your son, whoever needs it, for the family, for each wedding, I am buying all the clothing for that wedding. You gave me your boots and you gave me your coat. And in Eretz Yisrael you can't rent a dira, you have to buy a dira. He said, and I will buy every single one of your children an apartment when they get married because that night you slept with me and you didn't let me be alone. I am never going to let you be alone. He, he made nine weddings. The clothing, the wedding, every single kid got a dira. So you think, wow, it's an amazing story. <coughs> but I'm going to tell you something because I like to think about things. That what's amazing about the story is not what you think is amazing about the story. What's amazing about this story is the father of the kid who gave away the boots. Because had he made him give back the boots, this would have never happened. So what did he do? He understood, to be mechanic, my child even though he just, I just wanted him a pair of boots, and he just gave away a pair of boots. But if I'm going to take it back, I'm going to teach my child not to share. So it cost him, what did he lose? $5? $10? How much did the boots cost? He lost $10. How much did the coat lose? $50. He lost $60. And he must have felt bad. I went ahead, I have no money, I bought this for my child, and he gives it away. $60 he lost, which in those days was a lot of money. What did Hashem give him back? Hundreds of thousands of dollars. million dollars. What happened? When did he get back? This is the grandfather. In other words, the father of the boy who gave away the shoes is the grandfather of all those chasen and kawas. So he gave away $60, and his grandchildren got millions. Clothing, everything. Why? Because he understood that chinuch comes before my personal want and needs. In other words, the reaction of me would have been to my daughter, it's very nice, but don't give away the stuff. I <laughs> I wore your pair of boots. Don't give away your boots. Right? That would have been my reaction. would have been a totally wrong reaction, because if that's what you do, then okay, then I don't have to ever give away anything. It's such a godless guy. One of the people that were there said over the story, and I was sitting there, and I'm saying, the godless is the, the kid. I understand. It's it's a big thing. But I I can understand a kid. We see someone without boots. Okay, take my boots. It's not a, money's not a big deal. But the father who bought his kid new boots, who must have been so excited that the little money that he had, he put it together and he bought, I bought my son shiny boots. I'm going to see my son in a new pair of boots. So happy. And then his son comes home in shoes, in dirty shoes. And he gave away my boots. He gave away the boots that I bought for him. And for him to walk away from that and not take the boots back, that's the godless. The adult. Because the child's a child. But the adult, the adult, that's what happens when you have Hashem here, by the way. You have Hashem here, that's how you act. It's a different... You know, when Hashem's there, it's like, okay, Hashem wants me to give chesed, tzedakah. <coughs> but when he's here, you, you, a person acts totally different. So, what I want you to take away from this year is there's so many schoolers. People do so many schoolers for shiduchim, and for panasa, and for other things we go to, all kinds of mukubalim, and we say all kinds of prayers and shirashirim. And don't get me wrong schools are big but sometimes schools can't get through the wall of steel but a relationship with Hashem is much bigger than any school you'll ever have so if you wake up every single morning excited that you have a day of life and you show your excitement by saying moda ani with kavana excited sit there at your bed you know there's no one else in the room that's gonna think you're crazy unless you're married. So you, you know, your husband will think you're a little bit cuckoo And you're like, Thank you Hashem, I love you, you're the man! This is great, I can see, I can talk, I can walk, I can think, I can move my hands, I can smell. Unbelievable! Two minutes ago, I was a body in a bed, snoring, doing nothing. Not smelling, not seeing, not hearing, not talking, nothing. A sixties of death. I was a goilum. Goilum! A piece of clay. Laying in a bed. Did I see anything while I was sleeping? No. Did I smell anything while I was sleeping? No. Did I hear anything while I was sleeping? No. Did I feel anything while I was sleeping? No. Did I taste anything while I was sleeping? No. So from one second, where you're a gulam, you don't have any of the five senses, none of them, in one second you open your eyes, and you have all five. So a person who appreciates that, who gets up in the morning like, whoa, fingers, hands, feet. You know when you lay on your arm and it falls asleep and you think that it may never come back. You are panicking. You're like, come on, where are the needles? Come on, needles. go, Come on, where the needles? Oh, my God. I hope I didn't have a stroke while I was sleeping. You get all these crazy thoughts like, because your hand is dead. And you're like, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. Right? And then you get those needles. Ow, ow. But you know, get your hand back pain means you're alive. Rabbi Gamaliel always says that. Dead people feel no pain. He says, sometimes in pain, it's something to thank Hashem. If I have pain, it means I'm alive. We don't want it. That's not the best way of finding out you're alive, but that's one way of knowing that you're alive. So a person who wakes up, you don't need no schoolers. Person who wakes up every morning with that love and that excitement if you don't wake up because you're having a problem finding a shirach or you're struggling in parnassah or you don't feel well and you're like, you just can't get that power and that energy and that thank you. Hashem's like, what's going on with my girl? He brings down the malachim every morning to see this human being who goes from a goylam to like a malach to a person who's jumping up and down and all excited. And now all of a sudden she's not. So like the newspaper boy, what's wrong? And if So would do that as a whole, then Akash Bochah would come into the prison, the dungeon that we're in, because we keep trying to get through the Kor HaBazel. We're not the little boy, but if we become the little boy, then he would come into the dungeon personally and take us out. And bring Mashiach, we should all be Zeicha to see that. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.